And good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We are live on my show, The Final Point. A lot of things to get to. Um, college basketball is, the tournament is going crazy right now just with all these upsets. Uh, just I know in the first round there were some upsets that always is, especially with the higher seeds knocking off the lower seeds or vice versa. Uh, a couple of games I want to jump into. Um, is Florida and Nevada. Now, I said this yesterday as I was, well, leading up to the 9 o'clock deadline, is I talked about Florida and Nevada, which to me was an intriguing matchup. The final score of that game was 70-61. to 61. Nevada Reno is a really good basketball team. Uh, overall, they won 29-5. and five. But they don't play in a conference like Florida. Even though Florida came in as a 10 seed, Florida went 20 and 15. They don't play the competition that Florida plays. Florida plays in the SEC, so they're playing Alabama. They're playing Kentucky. They're playing all the top Tennessee, who's also qualified for the tournament, and I believe they're a two seed. They're playing the top competition in basketball right now. So I figured, as I was looking at the bracket, I said, you know what, based on that's how I figured Florida would win, based on the competition and the team that they have. Even though they came in at a 10 seed, I said, I think Nevada's going to be upset. So I, I knew that going into the tourney, believe it or not, is because that was my scenario. That was, that was my thought process. Wolford, Seton Hall. I don't understand that, that score. 84-68. Seton Hall. Seton Hall probably gets way better talent than Wolford. So if you're a top recruit, not even a top recruit, maybe a two-star, one-star at best, right, you're not going to say, I'm going to Wolford. You're going to be like, I'm, I'll take Seton Hall because you figure, okay, well, this is a, a well-known program. Well, they got blown out, but they went – 30 and 38, so meaning when I look at that type of, they went actually in the first half, they only put up 30 points to Wolford's 40, and then in the second half, they put up 38 to Wolford's 44. So they were outscored the entire game, and overall, they went 20 and 14 in the Big East. The Big East is not like the intriguing conference, although they're playing some really good basketball teams, but... 20 and 14, it's like, so you played 34 games, you only won 20. So it's like, you qualify as a 10 seed, and then you have a team who went 30 and 4, outscore you in both quarters, and they put up 84 points. So you're telling me that Wolford is 84 points better than Seton Hall. That's crazy. That, I mean, statistically, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Moving forward, Auburn and New Mexico State. Now, here's my question. What is New Mexico State doing in the closing moments of the game? You have to make free throws. You have to make free throws. I don't understand. Like, you're, you talk about going into the NBA. A lot of people, they talk about going to the NBA. You've got to make free throws when it counts. You've got to make shots. And, again, New Mexico State was a bad free-throw shooting team. They were bad. New Mexico State, 
overall for the season, had an incredible season. They went 30-5, and five, but they were outscored the entire game. Well, not the entire game, but they were outscored, especially in the first half. They were outscored 32-29, to 29, and then in the second half, in the second half, it was 48-46. So New Mexico State lost by one. But the thing is, it's not about losing by one. It's about taking care of the basketball. It's about not always looking for the jump shot, but go to the basket, see if I can draw a foul, and get put back on the line. But I think they took the attempt because they knew, okay, we're a bad free throw shooting team, so we're just going to take our chances at the three-point line. Auburn, it was kind of different for me because I felt like with Auburn being the number five seed, they went 27-9. and But this is a basketball team, New Mexico State. Again, they don't play in the conference that, you know, Auburn plays in when you talk about basketball. So it's like I don't understand why the game was so close. So what that tells me is that Auburn's probably going to be in trouble in the next round because they didn't play defense. It should have never been that close. But, again, 12 seeds, 5 seeds, you always have that upset because teams, you know, come to play like New Mexico State. They came to play, just they came up short. Moving forward, LSU and Yale. Here's another one. Yale went 22-8 and for the season. They came in as a 14 seed. They put up 74 points. LSU went 27-6 for the for the season. They put up 79. They outscored Yale. 45 to 29. That's a nice little lead. But then Yale comes all the way back and matches LSU's uh, point total that they had in the first half. And they lost 79-74. LSU cannot have that. This is an Ivy League team. This is a team that does not play, not necessarily in the conference, but they don't even play the talent that Again, LSU plays all year. Look at all the SEC teams that qualified. You know, you got LSU, you got Auburn, you got Kentucky, you got Florida. You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg of the teams that qualified. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it's like, man, this is a tough conference. This is a tough basketball conference. So how did LSU allow Yale to put up 45 points in the second half? Because Yale actually outscored LSU 45-34 to 34 in the second half, and that's how they came up with 74 points, just shy of either tying the ball game or winning it. In the next round, LSU going to step it up. Otherwise, they're going to be going home. Moving forward, Kentucky, of course, you know, they blew out Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian was the 15th seed. They went 27-7. Kentucky went... 28-6. Kentucky's a really good basketball team. They're tough from top to bottom. This is just a little test. Obviously, they passed it. They put up 79 points without even trying. So what I got to say about that is, is just that a lot of the times you get teams that they just come to play. They just come to play. They're just, hey, they come to play. It's like St. Mary's and Villanova. Villanova just had a scare. Villanova had a scare. At halftime, St. Mary's was leading 30-28. to St. Mary's just, they lost for one reason. St. Mary's lost for one reason. St. Mary's got outscored 33-27 to in the second half to Villanova. That's how they lost. They didn't lose because, you know, 
Villanova was that good because the score, the final was 61-57, so it was a very close score. So in my eyes, St. Mary's for 11 seed to win their conference to go 22-12, and 12, that's a great season. That's a great, great, great season. Incredible. But when you look at your brackets, you got to be careful because if you look at the slate of games today, you got Cincinnati and Iowa. Now, when I look at that game, the intriguing part is the spread is minus four, Cincinnati. Iowa and Cincinnati, 10 seed versus seven. Something tells me Iowa might pull it off. They might pull it off. Northern Kentucky against Texas Tech. I don't know much about Northern Kentucky. Can't tell you. Texas Tech, they played really well all year. Number three seed. UC Irvine versus Kansas State. UC Irvine, 30 and 5. They're a 13 seed, taking on Kansas State. We know how that's going to end up. Colgate versus Tennessee. Colgate went 24 and 12. They're a 15 seed, taking on Tennessee. Tennessee has to be careful. Tennessee has to be careful because when I saw them play, I believe it was in the SEC championship game, if I'm not mistaken, they couldn't score. They shot all these threes. They could not score. They could not, to save their life, they couldn't score. So it was really difficult for them. I hope they don't have that problem today, playing against Colgate, because that will be the biggest upset, period, right now on this bracket, all over, across the board, from top to bottom. In my opinion, a 15 seed upset a number two seed. That that would be something. And they're giving Tennessee 17 and a half on the spread. Gardner Webb, number 16 seed versus number one Virginia. They're giving Virginia 22 points. Um, actually, no, they're getting they're giving Gardner Webb 22 to start. Um, anyway, Gardner Webb had a good year. They went 23 and 11. Virginia played in the ACC. Just like the SEC, ACC, those are probably the best conferences you can get in. Uh, Virginia went 23, no, I'm sorry, went 29-3. This game for Virginia is going to be a warm-up game for them. It's going to be a warm-up game for them. Um, I expect them to blow Garden Webb out. Arizona State and Buffalo. Arizona State went 23-10 and 10 in a Pac-12. Buffalo went 30-31-3. This is going to be a close game, ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention to this. I believe Buffalo is going to – they're going to win, but Buffalo it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Oregon and Wisconsin. Oregon won the Pac-12, 23-12 against Wisconsin, 23-10 from the Big Ten. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. But what it's going to come down to for Wisconsin, because Oregon is a really good basketball team, what it's going to come down to for Wisconsin is Wisconsin is going to have to make all their free throws. Wisconsin is going to have to make shots. That's just what it comes down to. If Wisconsin can do that, they're going to be hard to beat. Washington versus Utah State. Washington went 26-8 in the Pac-12. Utah went 28-6, 9 versus 8 seed. Now, this was a 50-50 deal for me because when I looked at the bracket, 
50-50. Washington's still a really good basketball team. But I, I think Utah State has the edge. And I would go with Utah State. But Washington is a good team. Very good team. And that's gonna be a three point spread. So it's gonna be that's another gonna be a close game. North Dakota State and Duke. They're giving North Dakota State twenty seven and a half points on the spread. So they don't even they so North Dakota State don't even have a chance. They went nineteen and fifteen throughout the whole season. Nineteen and fifteen. Duke twenty nine and five. Georgia State and Houston. Georgia State went twenty four and nine. They're fourteen seeds. Houston went thirty one and three. Houston is giving up twelve points. Iona versus North Carolina. We know how that game's gonna end up. One seed versus sixteen seed. Twenty seven and six for North Carolina, seventeen and fifteen for Iona. And the last two games is going to be Ohio State versus Iowa State, St. Louis versus Virginia Tech. Iowa State, to me, is probably the most impressive within the first round. They're probably the most impressive basketball team. They are very, very tough. I've seen them play, and it's like, wow. And they're going to come out hitting. Ohio State can pull an upset, but Ohio State got to be able to score. They got to be able to get to the basket. They got to make free throws. I mean, they have to be. They have to go on a serious, serious run. Serious run. St. Louis, Virginia Tech, it's probably going to be a marginal game for me. Virginia Tech's only giving up 10.5 points. So those are really the, the slated games. Um, looking at it from a statistical standpoint, let's start off with Iowa and Cincinnati. And when you look at it, when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, Iowa, another another Big Ten. So a lot of these big-time pro, programs, if you know a lot of big-time conferences, a lot of them have, a lot of them have, um, a lot of teams from their conference qualifying for the tournament. Now, when you look at it from a matchup standpoint, thirty, like basically forty percent think Iowa could pull an upset over Cincinnati, 40%. So out of 100% of the people, 40% believe that. 40% is not bad. That means that their chances are mm, good but not great. But anything can happen. Right now, Iowa, in the last five games, Iowa lost. Iowa went one and five in their last five games. Cincinnati went three. They won three out of the last five. So for me, when I look at it from that standpoint, I've seen Cincinnati. I've seen Cincinnati dominate. This is going to be a really good matchup. For me, it's a must-see. It's a must-see because the teams, to me, they look about even. They look about even. So to me, it's a must-see. I'm going to check it out. Um... This is a team where you have T. Cook for Iowa, averaging 14 points a game, but he shoots 52%. You got Cumberland, averaging 18 points a game, shooting 40%. Free throw line, 77.5. So 
right now, Iowa has a better rebounding team. They got to make shots. Iowa has to make shots if they want to win. They have to make shots because Cincinnati's tough. They're very, very, very tough. The second round to me, and I, I spoke about this yesterday, actually. I was talking to one of my friends. I spoke about this yesterday. Is that this is going to be tough. This is definitely going to be a tough. Um, the second round is definitely going to be tough. The second round. The second round is really going to test the higher seeds, lower seeds, even the upset seeds. It, it's really going to be a test. Second round, that's when you're going to really know how good this team is. Either they were that good to get there or they were lucky to get there. You win one of two ways. Either you were that good or you were that lucky. To me, looking at the upset, a lot of teams, they were very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Um, looking at a lot of different things as far as college. This tournament, I really didn't like the way that the teams were set up, the way the brackets were set up, because you have very, very few intriguing matchups. Like, for example, Minnesota and Louisville. Louisville, to me, played really well in the ACC. You have to be, when you look at it, you have to be a really good basketball team. You have to have some type of talent. You have to be worthy to even be a seven seed coming out of the ACC, because that's a tough, tough conference. That is the best conference in college basketball right now. So to come out as a seven seed and you're playing against Minnesota, two things happen. Either Minnesota was just that good or Louisville didn't deserve to be there. One of the two. Because I have a hard time figuring out with all the best competition, you should be a lot better than Minnesota. But what but what I found out was it's not about being good and it's not about being the best. It's really about just, hey, Minnesota came to play. Minnesota took care of their business and they got the job done. And so they're moving on to the next round because I didn't have them winning, winning at all. I had them getting blown out because I thought maybe, you know, Louisville would take care of business. It was just too many close games, too many close games. Um, and a lot of teams didn't take care of business like I thought they would. So that's why you had a few upsets. Not very many. Not very many, but you had some close games. And a lot of games that we all predict, when we look at the bracket, we don't think like teams like St. Mary's is going to come close to a team, Villanova. And Villanova, was, was they were the champions a couple of years ago. They just lost a lot of talent. So they're not, they don't have that higher seed or that number one seat that they used to have. So you're playing against a very tough St. Mary's team, a team that came in knocking off Gonzaga and knocked them off good, beat them really, really good. And then you're playing Villanova. So I thought Villanova, I was like, wait a minute, Villanova might be in some, some type of trouble. Because St. Mary's in the first half, like I, like I said earlier in the, in the podcast earlier, is that it was a 28 to, it was 30 to 28 in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. So when I saw that, I said, uh-oh, Villanova might be in trouble. Because once teams 
how, once a higher-seeded team gets on a roll, that top seed team might be in trouble. So you might have a three seed, five seed, two seed, one of those type of seeds where it's like, okay, I'm playing an 11 seed or a 12 seed, whatever it is, obviously you're the lower seed. So the lower seed seems to be in trouble against the higher seed. So you have to come to play, and you can't overlook teams because when you do that, guess what? You could be a five seed, expected to win, and end up losing to a 12 seed. I've seen that happen many a times. I've seen Duke lose in the first the first day. Brackets are busted all over the country. I've seen Michigan State lose. Brackets busted all over the country. You can't come into these tournaments overlooking teams because that's why the scores are so close. That's why the scores are so close. And what's interesting is that when you talk about if you're going to compare talent for talent, there's just no way Murray State or any of any of these other teams that have won come any close to bringing in the top talent that Duke or some of the other top seeds all, always get. So I'm just like, man, how does this happen? This doesn't make any sense. You should be blowing these teams out. But that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always end up that way. Uh, Vermont and Florida State. That was a good game. That was a very good game. And I say that to say this. If you look at the game, it was tied at halftime at 27. It was just that Florida State outscored Vermont 49-42 in the second half. In the second half, 49-42. So that's why Florida State ended up beating Vermont. Vermont, I thought they had a great chance in upsetting uh, Florida State, and that was one of my upsets. But then I changed my mind and said, nah, let me go back to Florida State. And I stuck it out with Florida State, and they ended up getting the victory. But see, what it boils down to, it's not about the first half, it's the second half. So if you want to win and pull an upset, you have to literally outscore the top seed in the second half in order to win, especially if you're losing at the half or you're tied. Meaning you got to get to the basket every time. You got to make all your shots. You got to make all your free throws. You know, so on and so forth. And you got to control the game. You got to control the pace of the game. You have to control the pace of the game. Old Dominion and Purdue, 61-48. Now I don't know much about the Old Dominion. They were a 14 seed. They went 26 and nine. Purdue, Purdue did a good job on beating them. Um, Purdue outscored Old Dominion 32 to 19. But then Old Dominion came back and scored the same amount of points that Purdue did, which was 29 apiece. So both teams, well, you, they didn't outscore each other in the second half, but they did in the first half. So Purdue's going to have to come with it next, uh, the next round. They're going to have to come with it the next round. They're going to have to outscore whoever they're playing if they want to advance to the next round. Uh, Michigan State did a really good job yesterday. Uh, they were losing to Bradley at the half, 35-34. And I said to myself when I saw that score, I said, not again. Michigan State, not again. Not again. Please don't get bracket busted. Gonzaga blew out Fairly, uh, Fairly Dixon. They were a 16 seed. Now here's a stat for you. Gonzaga was winning at the half, 53-17. to so they outscored Dickinson University 53-17, to outscored them in the first half. In the second half, Dickinson got on a run. They went on a run. 
they were just two points shy of tying the same amount of points they would have scored against Gonzaga, 32-34 in the second half. So Dickinson had 32, Gonzaga had 34. Wow. So that's that, that was a good second half. So Dickinson played a really good second half against a very tough Gonzaga team. This is going to be interesting today, This the second day, day two. Still first round. You got a lot of good matchups. I said earlier in my and you know, earlier up in the show podcast. But it's gonna be interesting. It is gonna be very because you just don't know how these teams are gonna come out and play. You have no idea. And it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. When I see it from a statistical standpoint, I'm looking at it like, okay, Montana, for example. Montana was losing the entire game. They got outscored in both halves. So, you know, Michigan was going to take care of business. Then you have you have St. Mary's. They put up, a, again, St. Mary's put up a great game. Um, if you fast forward to tomorrow, which is today, let me grab the matchups here. The most intriguing game to me right now is this Oregon and Wisconsin game. That's what's got me on the fence, five versus 12 seed. I didn't think Oregon was that good. I didn't think Oregon was that good, and I still don't. But we're going to find out today, five versus 12 seed. Now, if Oregon remains hot like they have been, they might pull an upset over Wisconsin. But Wisconsin every year hasn't disappointed me. So I said, well, let me stick to my guns and go to Wisconsin. So I went with Wisconsin. So that's what came to my picks. When I make picks, I look at it from not a last year standpoint, but what have you done all year? And what made the committee feel that you were the seed that you were at? Whether it was a 12 seed, 5 seed, 3 seed, doesn't make a difference. And then I go and look at your stats, and then I look at your strength of schedule. And then that dictates the matchups. And then from matchups, I look at it like, oh, okay, well, you know, this matchup, that matchup, okay. And then I just make a pick. I just make a pick. And, and it really depends on the conference you come out of in your schedule because if you haven't seen a really good basketball team or, or a really good defense, you really don't know how to – you really don't know how to – you really don't know how to – how to play against those teams because you're not prepared. You only get one day, one or two days to prepare, especially the more dominant teams. The more dominant teams are the more dominant teams are ready to go. The more dominant teams are pretty much already going to go ahead and play the same way that they have been playing for however long they've been playing it. Um, we're going to shift gears and go to boxing. Now, Earl Spence beat Mickey Garcia, and in my last – podcast I talked about how Mickey Garcia is a good fighter. There's no doubt about it. And you got you got first of all, before I get into it, I wanted to you, you gotta give him some credit. You have to give Mickey Garcia some credit. This dude jumped up two weight classes to fight Earl Spence. So that took guts right there. That took that took guts right there to do that. That was that was just that was crazy. And it was a landslide. You know, I think the scores were 120 to 107. It was a landslide. 
So the problem I have is how does Keith Thurman and some of the other guys think they're going to compete with Earl Spence right now? This guy is hot. This guy is 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 not joking. He wants all comers. He he'll take on anybody. Doesn't make a difference. I hope it's Sean Porter so we can get that out the way. But if not, then you know, I'm pretty sure he'll fight someone else. But I, he'll probably end up getting a mandatory. I really don't see any big matchups or I really don't see him getting I really don't see him getting um a big fight right away because they always give you a mandatory and then you know, you go ahead and you fight the big fight because they want the build up. Earl Spence dominated on a 120 to 107, and most that was pretty much the score on all three judges' scorecards. So I probably would have had 120. They didn't even give Mickey – I don't even think they gave Mickey a round, not one round. Usually you get a round or two. Now Spence says, I'm targeting Manny Pacquiao, Sean Porter, or Garcia. Danny Garcia, that is. And those are those are contenders. Those are those are. I think right now what makes sense is Manny Pacquiao, because Sean Porter fought the weekend before that. Sean Porter didn't look good at all, and the guy he fought never heard of him. He didn't look good at all, in my opinion, and he won on the scorecards barely. So now you want to fight Earl Spence, and Earl Spence just beat Mikey Garcia. And to me, right now, I don't think Porter can beat Mikey Garcia. So I don't understand why Porter will want to fight Spence at this at this time. Danny Garcia, he hasn't fought since. Well, he's fought, but I think his last fight was against uh, Thurman, and Thurman put it on him. So what makes sense? Right now is is, is Manny Pacquiao. They got to make that happen. That that would be a good fight because you're looking at age, experience, but youth is on Spencer's side. Power is on Spencer's side. That's what makes it intriguing. But overall, experience is going to play a major key in that fight experience because Manny has all the experience. So, and not taking nothing away from Earl Spence. Earl Spence is going to come with it. We all know what we're getting out of Earl Spence. But I'm just saying, it's just like with Mayweather, for example. Everyone thinks they can beat him either because he's at the age that he is, either because they think he's slow. Whatever reason they think they can beat him, they try and they fail. And they fail because of the experience. This man has a tons of experience. He knows when to pace himself. He knows when to throw punches. He knows when to throw jabs. He knows what to do when he's in there. Some people just don't have that skill set. They don't have it. So that's why it's hard to beat Mayweather at 40, at 42. 42 years old, he'll beat you. But it makes sense for boxing. If being a boxing promoter, they say, well, we want to make money too. People don't care about mandatories. Put People want to see what's best for boxing. 
So people want to see the best fights, the best of the best fights. People don't want to see, you know, Hot Pepper Lopez against Thurman on Fox, PB. Ain't nobody want to see all of that. People want to see, you know, maybe Thurman go against Bud Crawford because I'm sick of Thurman shit. I'm sick of listening to him. I mean, the last fight he fought, the tune-up fight he had, he kept talking about how uh, dude Lopez felt his power. Man, look at your face. What do you mean he felt your power? You you felt his power. <laughs> you know, like he tries to downplay the fact that he barely won. Doesn't make sense to me. But back to the promoting aspect, we want to see the best. We want to see the best. We want to see the best fights possible. Um, Manny Pacquiao, Spence, I hope they get that deal done because that's really what's best for boxing. Right now, if you're, look, if, you're, if you're looking at it from a fight standpoint, who won their last few fights, who looked impressive, Pacquiao, out of those three I just mentioned, Pacquiao would make sense, and Pacquiao has looked like the best fighter out of, in, in terms of being a challenger for Spence right now if you had to go in that direction. But it's definitely going to be – I think what they're going to end up doing is making Spence fight a mandatory, I think, which he already did. And so now he's he's challenged Manny Pacquiao. So we'll see if that deal gets done. We'll see if Bob Arum, you know, lets that happen. Because, you know, Bob Arum, he's not going to let, you know, the cash cow, you know, fight somebody with a potential upset. Going forward, Deontay Wilder. I, I'm going to touch on a few things here in boxing. Deontay Wilder is fighting Dominic Brazil. Now, I'll tell you this right now. You heard it first. Dominic Brazil is going to get his ass whooped. I don't think he understands what time it is. He's going to get his ass whooped. We already know how that's going to, how that's going to go. We already know. Tyson Fury didn't want, to, didn't want the rematch. He didn't want to fight. So now he moved forward. He said, okay, well, who's next? Dominic Brazil. Now, the way I see it is Dominic Brazil is going to fight Deontay Wilder. Wilder's going to whoop his ass, and then now it's going to come back to the same thing. Let's fight Anthony Joshua. The problem is Anthony Joshua does not want to fight Deontay Wilder in Brooklyn. He doesn't want to do it. You know why? Because it's all about being undefeated. Because then you can negotiate and argue if it's a 50-50 split, if it's whatever. Because that's really the dynamics of the contract is that they're going to look at who you fought, your record, are you putting asses in the seats. Everybody wants to see Deontay Wilder because, man, he's knocking cats out. He's knocking cats out. So I think Joshua got to fight uh, June 1st or something like that, um, if I'm not mistaken. He's fighting baby something, whatever his name is. And uh, we're going to see how that ends up going. We're going to see how that ends up going. That's going to, that's, that's, I wouldn't say that's an intriguing matchup just because I really don't know. I really don't know much about this dude. And another thing, the zone. That's probably match boom boxing or whatever the Sam Hill it is. I don't know. To me, you don't, they don't have, all they have is maybe Canelo, maybe Anthony Joshua. That's even worth even buying the app. Because everybody else, 
Nobody wants to see that. It, I was just telling a good friend of mine, it's all about having a name. you got to have a name. If you're not big in the sport, you're not putting people in the seats. You, you have to have a name. You have to be somebody. You have to have a name. You can't be Tevin Farmer thinking that you're going to sell an arena out. It's not going to happen. You're, you're not that good. But I'll tell you this, though. Javante Davis, he'll put some asses in the seats. Because that's, that's, that's science to the sport. Tevin Farmer doesn't have that type of skill set. Doesn't have it. And that's another one. He's going to get his ass whooped, too. When that fight is made, he's going to get his ass whooped, too. I'm telling you. You guys heard it first. I'm telling you. I can already see, I can already see it from here. I can already see it from here. It's going to happen. It is going to happen if that fight is made. It is going to happen. That's why Mayweather says, hey, we're going to take our time. And people really got to realize, too, Mayweather's a great businessman, great businessman. And he's always said, hey, we're not in a hurry. There is no rush. We're not going to rush Javante Davis to fight Lomachenko. We're not going to do none of that stuff. We're going to take one fight at a time. Leonard Ellaby, they got all this under control, all this under control. But they're going to fight, though. But they got this under control. Because I think, too, from a business standpoint, you want to build your resume up, too, though. I think you want to continue to keep investing in your brand, keep investing in your name, because that's what's really going to draw more money. I think when you rush, people don't really get to really enjoy Javante Davis on the fact that, okay, well, he's fought this guy, he's fought this guy, because at some point you're going to have to fight a guy with a name. And when you fight a guy with a name and they build you up and then you lose, then it's like, oh, man, you know, this guy's not as good as we thought he was. But Javante Davis continues to either stop people or knock people out. So I want to see Tevin Farmer, so that's another one, because then he can get his ass whooped and we can stop hearing about him. Um, it's, it's a lot of great fights. It's a lot of great fighters out there. It's a lot of great fights. But I know a lot of people are behind Marky, Mikey Garcia. Um, Adrian Broner, Adrian Broner got his ass whooped. Now, A.B., I don't know what his problem is. I really don't. But he's had more than enough opportunity to either fight the best or either rebuild his career. And I'm telling you, had he just focused and been serious, he probably could have beat Pacquiao or that fight would have been a lot closer. That fight could have been a lot closer. Even with Mikey Garcia, had he just been serious and focused, that fight could have been a lot closer. So then when you're a world champion and you say, well, who's the next mandatory, and you look down and you say, oh, man, I would like to fight Broner. But nobody wants to fight him because it's, it's a joke. He gets dominated every time. And then, and then, when, he's, then when he's on the mic, he says, I beat that boy. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a, I'm a big AB fan myself. I'm not going to even lie. But it was embarrassing for him to even get on the mic and say, I beat him. Man, Pacquiao... Pacquiao beat him so bad. It's like this. If you look at from a punching stat-wise, it wasn't even close. If you're going to look at it from a, a, a scorecard standpoint, wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. So it's all about money. It's all about a name. And it's all about matchups. In boxing, that's just the way it is. In boxing, that is just the way it is. It's all about those three elements. Shifting gears. Baseball. 
Now I want to get on this 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 Harper situation, man. I mean, geez, Louise. If you look at his money, this dude got, I think it's twelve years, four hundred and thirty million dollars. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I was blown away. I thought maybe he could have taken, I thought maybe the Dodgers would have gave him, uh, uh, you know, some money. I think it was, I think he ended up getting 30-something a year, something like that. To me, the Dodgers really didn't need another bat. I mean, if he wasn't gonna if he wasn't gonna sign with the Dodgers, you know, make it contract friendly, then it wasn't worth for the Dodgers to go after him. And every top superstar in Major League Baseball, every media outlet is always gonna link the Dodgers to that top superstar because the Dodgers never came out and said we're gonna go after, you know, Harper. If he's available, great. And I say that to say this, if that was the case, you know, the Dodgers would have made every attempt to get him. But we didn't feel we needed him that bad. I think the Giants were runner-up or something to get him if Phillies, if the, if the Phillies uh, deal went through, didn't go through. But I think, I think the Dodgers, top to bottom, we still have the best team in baseball. I think we need maybe a couple more arms. And I think once we get a couple more arms, we're great. I think we're great. Mike Trout re-signed with the Angels. I'm sorry. I take that back. I take that back. I was looking at the wrong thing. So Mike Trout got the 430. And uh, they gave Harper, I think, $330 million for the Phillies. But regardless, regardless what the numbers are, regardless, that's a shitload of money. For one player... That's a lot of money. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm paying somebody that type of money, you better be leading the league in RBIs. You better be leading the league in steals, uh, base, base, basis, you know, steals. You better be doing all kinds of stuff for that type of money. And, you know, my uncle used to say this a long time ago. When players get paid, they stop playing. So we hope Bryce Harper, come on, man. Hopefully you leading the league in homers, because if not, that money's in the toilet. Mike Trout always does well, so I, you know, I don't have nothing bad to say about Mike. Um, shifting gears, the NBA. Now the NBA, I think right now what we're looking at is teams are just trying to qualify for the playoffs. That's really what it boils down to. And if you look at the standings right now. I think the Warriors are still up there. I'm going to speak on the Warriors right now. It's For me, it's not about what seed the Warriors are going to get, whether it's the one or the two seed. Because regardless, the Warriors are going to come to play. And the question is, when you look at all the remaining teams, the the seven teams that are in the, in the Western Conference, you got to ask yourself, can any of those seven teams, can they beat the Warriors four times in the series? That's that's the question. Can they do it? Is it possible? Right now, Golden State 
and Denver have qualified for the playoffs right now. But it's Denver still in the hunt for the number one to finish in first place in the West by a half a game. They've won five in a row. So my question is this. People say, well, the Western Conference is a tough conference, and it's the best conference. The Nuggets have to be a really good basketball team to be the number two seed. When you're talking about the likes of Houston and some of the other teams that are, you know, pretty elite and pretty, you know, been elite for some time now. They're a half game behind Golden State for that first place. Half a game. Half a game. So I think that if the playoffs started today, let's look at the matchups. If the playoffs started today, the Clippers pretty much are going to play the Warriors on the road. Utah is going to play Denver on the road. San Antonio is going to play Houston. That's going to be a really good matchup. And then Oklahoma City is going to play uh, the Thunder. I mean, not Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is going to play the Blazers. Excuse me. Looking at those matchups, those are really good matchups because all of them, all of them have played each other at some point, and it's either gone back and forth or they split the series. Now, looking at Looking at the Clippers, the Clippers have won their last three ball games. But right now, from a matchup standpoint, I, I, I just told you that it was going to be the Oklahoma City versus Portland. Now, to me, they're both about even from a scoring standpoint because they both average about 114 points per game scoring as a team. 114. The only team that averages more points per game right now is the Golden State Warriors. They average about 117, 117 and a half per game. And when you talk about defensively, defensively, Oklahoma City gives up 100 points per game. Golden State has won their last two. They're six and four in their last ten ball games. Um, Houston Rockets has won eight out of their last ten. And right now, San Antonio's playing really well. They're nine and one in their last ten games. That's why. That's why when I read the matchups, these are intriguing matchups because you just don't know how these teams are going to come out playing. Um, shout out to Sacramento Kings. Um, and I say that and I hate the Queens. I'm not going to even lie to you, but. And I know this is not a great stat, but I think they've came a long way to be that young team. They won 35 ball games this year. Uh, they're 20, 22 and 15 at home. Not bad. Not bad at all. And they're 4 and 6 in their last 10 games, but they won their last game. So that's pretty good. They're playing better than my Lakers, that's for sure. I don't even want to talk about them. And they're 1 and 9 in their last 10. Um, Looking at the Eastern Conference, Miami Heat is about maybe about two games. They're two games ahead of the Orlando Magics for that last spot. Uh, Brooklyn is still the seventh seed. Detroit still six. Boston still five. Indiana four. 76ers, Toronto, and the Bucks are three, two, and one. Right now, Milwaukee has been struggling, believe it or not. They've only won five out of their last ten. 
But when you look at Philadelphia, they are right now their third seed. They're they're the hottest team right now in the East because in the last six games, they've won six in a row. They've won seven out of their last ten. That's that that's pretty good. That is really, really good. That's that's gonna be scary because Detroit Pistons is gonna to have to play the seventy sixers. And Detroit hasn't played well. But looking at their last ten ball games, Detroit has won seven out of their last ten. It's gonna be intriguing. It's gonna be intriguing. And just to let everyone know, the worst basketball team in basketball is no longer the Phoenix Suns. It is no longer the Phoenix Suns. It is those New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> New York has won only seven games at home, and they've only won seven games on the road. That is horrible. That is horrible. And they're also one and nine, but they did beat the Lakers twice. That's, I don't know. That is just, that is just sad. I don't even know why I'm even looking at this. Shifting gears. Now, I'm going to close this out with the NFL. And the NFL, to me, is, this is going to be a crazy, crazy year. Looking at the signings, looking at the way these teams are, are built up, first of all, I want to give, I want to look at this. I guess Houston got another linebacker, four-time Pro Bowler. He signed with he signed with the Colts. Now the Colts had a pretty good year last year, but they end up signing Houston from the Chiefs. Justin Houston from the Chiefs got him for twenty four million. That's crazy. And I think I think the Colts are going to be pretty good this year. They've added some some key components that they didn't have last year. They're going to be really good because um, they were pretty good last year. Um, they were pretty good last year, so I I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be tough. The Cardinals they pick up they had a they had a signing. Um, the Bengals re-signed Denard. The Raiders got Lawson. The Raiders added some some guys also. I like what the Raiders have done. They've added as much as talent as they probably could get without spending a whole lot of money. They spent some money, but not a whole lot. It's going to be an interesting season. Um, Vontaze Burfitt signed with Oakland. Um, to me, I like that move. You know, they didn't spend a lot. They'll probably get a lot. But they didn't have to spend a bunch of money to get a linebacker that could help them out because they lost probably the best linebacker, arguably the best linebacker in football right now in Khalil Mack. I, I, I still to this day think about it, and it's like I still don't understand that move. Still don't understand that move. How do you get rid of that? So just some key signings here um, that I'm looking at. A.J. McCarron, he signed with the Texans. Not sure why they did that unless they're looking for a backup. Um, the Cowboys agreed uh, to sign Randall Cobb. Now, I like that. I like that. That's probably the best move this offseason that they've made is picking up Randall Cobb because Randall Cobb 
healthy, is he could play a really key part for us, especially in the slot. I think he's going to be a huge, huge addition to this team. And he's a lot bigger than Cole Beasley. But I don't blame Cole Beasley. Go get your money, man. You know, if the Cowboys are not going to give it to you, hey, go get your money. The Chiefs signed uh, uh, Rashad Breeland. I like that because it fits the defensive scheme of what they're trying to do. I also like what, what the Rams are doing. They picked up Clay Matthews on a two-year agreement. With their defense that they already have, and they add Clay Matthews, the Rams are going to be unstoppable right now. They're going to, I'm telling you, watch out. Don't be surprised if they get back to the um, Super Bowl. They also signed Blake, Blake Brotels. I don't know why. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with the Dolphins. I like that because they actually got a veteran quarterback, somebody that's probably going to help them win ball games. So I definitely like that. Uh, Adrian Peterson re-signed with the Washington Redskins on a two-year deal. And then they also signed Eric Flowers, which is a good signing. Um, it protects their quarterback. Um, not sure why the Raiders released Donald Penn. I thought that he was key to their offensive line. But if they released him, I think he asked for a release. So that's telling me that, you know, they're going to go in a different direction. Now, looking at some of the signings with – and I heard the, you know, the interview with uh, Le'Veon Bell. And I think people are taking his interview out of context. And I know throughout the season they said, oh, you know, he's selfish, he's this, he's that. And a lot of people, I feel like Pittsburgh lost people because of Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think it was so much of the organization. Because you got to think, the organization, they're sitting in the press box. They're like, hey, we paid you this money, you go out there and you do what you're going to do. But Ben Roethlisberger, it's like, you're telling me, in the locker room, this is the way this guy is. So you got two of the best players, two arguably two of the best players from Pittsburgh saying, look, I don't, even, I don't want to be there no more. Trade me, cut me, whatever you got to do, I don't care. And they're, and they're leaving big money on the table. Big money on the table. This is not like small peanuts. They're leaving big money on the table. Le'Veon Bell left $14 million on the table. And he explained in his interview – and you can catch that on ESPN. But he explained it, and it makes sense. Yeah, he left $14 million on the table, but why play for $14 million if you're not going to be happy? Because then now you're not playing up to the level, or you're not – it's more so you're not playing up to the level, and then it's going to hurt your value because then they're going to say, well, he didn't play very well. You guys gave him $14 million. What makes me think that he's worth more than $14 million? And then it came, he, he said an interesting point. What if I play for that one year for $14 million and I get hurt and I can't play anymore? Yeah, I got $14 million, but that's it. He got thirty-five now with the Jets. So his point was I wanted to secure my future. I want to be happy. And... I want to play for a team that wants me here. So you're telling me one player, one player is the reason 
why you said, I'm leaving for it. They can keep their fucking $14 million. I'm going to go somewhere else. To me, I feel like you got to be happy in football. You have to be happy with what you're doing. You have to be happy with the organization. You have to be happy with your teammates. And listening to the interview, he just wasn't. And it makes more sense. I mean, if you're not happy, why would you sign, you know, a contract with a team and you're not happy there? I think he forced his way out of Pittsburgh. He had to because they wasn't going to trade him. So basically what they told him was either you play for us or you play for nobody. But I think on the back end, Pittsburgh's stupid. Because I'm like this, if this if this guy doesn't want to be here, if this is not the organization that he wants to play for, fine. He's going to sign with somebody else anyway. We know that. Why not trade him, get something for him, okay, and move forward? Just like they did with Antonio Brown. They say, look, you want him, I'm going to get something for him. Instead of getting nothing. Because what people don't understand is that yeah, you can force them to play for the money. That's fine, and I get that too. But you should have traded them because if he was, if he was, if he said, "Look, I'm not going to play for you guys for the remainder of the season," and this guy's willing to leave 14 million on the table, what does that tell you? That tells you that he does not want to be in Pittsburgh anymore. So if he doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh anymore, trade him. Why do you still have him? I just didn't get the moves. You know, I mean, I'm just speaking logically. I'm just saying that's what I would have done. I would have tried to get something for him if he didn't want to be there. Um, and then Antonio Brown, he seems happy in Oakland. He seems happy in Oakland. Carr seems happy. So I like some of the moves, not all of them. I still don't think Mike Mayock's the guy, but we'll see. We'll see. Um not a whole lot of splashes, not a whole lot of names that's being signed to major deals yet. Um, I know the Redskins spent some cheese um, on a couple of different players. Um, to me, the again, the, the Redskins, they're playing in the NFC East, a very tough conference. They gave Collins a lot of money to play in that secondary. A lot of money. To me, I would have said, look, you know what? I'm not sure about Alex Smith, okay? But let me draft a QB in the later rounds, maybe sign a veteran quarterback, and let me focus on my offensive line to protect my quarterback so that way I can sustain some type of offense if that's the route you're going to go. But you gave Landon Collins a lot of money, so I don't know if that's I don't know if they're going to continue that route. I don't know if they said, "Hey, this is a chance to get a real safety, so we're going to go ahead and get him, and then we're just going to focus on the draft, maybe get a lineman in the draft." I have no idea. But they got Eric Flowers, so that's cool. They were able to get him on a one-year deal. Um, so I like some of the moves. I'm just waiting on preseason. I just want to – I can't wait until the NFL draft. You're going to get a segment about that. So that wraps up my show. Tune in for episode three. Uh, this is – this has been an interesting show. Um, tune in for tune in for the th uh, for episode three, and that's coming to you next week. Have a great weekend.
go Duke, because that's who I got winning the entire tournament. 